filter. I don't know if I should go with XX Pro or Valencia. I want to look tan. What should my caption be? I want to be clever. How about living with my ladies? Hashtag live. I only got 10 likes in the last five minutes. Do you think I should take it down? Good evening. My name is Ellen Durr and I am currently sick, so excuse my voice. And I'm here with two guests. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Hi everyone, Nikki here. Uh, I'm a Gemini. I love dogs and long walks and I'm excited to be here and thanks so much for joining us again today. Hi, I am Elahe. I'm a psychologist and I have worked on many different students' anxiety. Also, I had some clients who had social media anxiety. So today, I'm really interested in the topic of our podcast and cannot wait to start our talking. Hopefully, for those of you who are listening right now, you have listened to our first podcast together about Remix for our Digital Literacies and 21st Century Skills course at Adelphi University. Thank you for coming back to listen to our second podcast, which is about social media. And trust me, this is a good one. We're spilling all the tea. But before we get started, I think it's a good idea to share some background information with our listeners about us. So I'm 23 years old, and my AIM account was SportsCutieX19. Nice AIM account name, Ellen. Classic. Um, So I'm 34. I lived for AIM and have no recollection of what my AIM username was, though. Um, And just to put things into perspective for you guys, I didn't have a computer out until I was 13 or a cell phone until I was 19. Embarrassing. I am 30 and actually I don't know a lot about AIM. Maybe it wasn't popular in my country. I had different accounts on Yahoo, Gmail. I remember I created my friends' first Yahoo accounts and teach them how to use it. Actually, I was the first girl in my school to have the internet, and it was so sweet, you know, I was an expert between my friends. One of our readings this week was from Ronson's book, So You've Been Publicly Shamed, published in 2015. We focused on Chapter 4, God, That Was Awesome. What did you guys think? Well, Justin Sacco. She was the victim of public shaming, in my opinion. I cannot imagine if I were her and what I would do. It it is scary. Her life blew up because of a racist and disgusting tweet, and she got fired from her job. There was actually, you know, there was no one physically hard, but the damage to one's reputation can be more severe and long-lasting. And I think <clears throat> it was not fair, because whether we admit or not, all of us sometimes think about uh, something that are against the law or humanity. Just the difference between us and Justin is we don't tweet them and Justin wrote it on Twitter. Also we can see it in another way that you wanted to share something on social media you you didn't want to but someone else share your private pictures in social media and maybe ruin your life like about I remember 10 years ago an Iranian actress boyfriend released her private pictures and you know it was a taboo in my country so she her life ruined and she immigrated from my country and I think her life 
drastically changed. Wow, that's quite the story. During this reading, I felt my jaw drop a couple of times. Justine Sacco's friend had become her worst enemy, and that is Twitter. She quotes, They've taken my name and my picture and have created this Justine Sacco that's not me and have labeled this person a racist. Her life had been ruined by this one tweet, and for what? Just for some social media drama? On social media, we've created a stage for constant artificial high drama. It seems like people are constantly picking fights and insulting one another. And I honestly think people want to argue more than agree. Justine felt like she no longer had a purpose in life. She couldn't even date because we Google everyone we might date, which is completely true. Dating apps are full of a person's info, like their height, hometown, job, and their age. And then a person will naturally Google them and look them up on social media to find out more information about who they are. But how reliable is someone's Facebook or Twitter? In Justine's case, if anyone looked her up, they would be able to find this tweet in the aftermath of it very easily. Everything was taken away from her after writing one single tweet from her phone. What about you, Nikki? Listen, I had to laugh to myself a little when you said that everyone Googles who they date. I guess I'm too old for that, or I've been with my husband for too long, seven whole years. Or maybe I just never thought to do that. Um, But I agree with you. I was pretty captivated reading about Justine Sacco and how her life was essentially ruined um, because of a really, really distasteful and bad um, joke. Um, I felt bad for her in a way. I think that on social media and even in texts, it's easy to misinterpret or spin something that someone says. You can't always catch sarcasm, sincerity, or humor in written text. And I know that there have been times where I personally have said something on social media or in a text that got completely misinterpreted in a way that was not my intention at all. And I'm not saying that that's what happened with Justine Sacco, but it does happen. And it is so easy to attack someone online someone online because you aren't face-to-face with the person you are attacking. It's easy to hide behind your computer screen in the comfort of your own home. And in Justine Sacco's case, I honestly don't know if the punishment actually fits the crime. Um, One of the things that I found um, the most interesting about the reading and that I enjoyed was learning about Judge Ted Poe and his shaming methods. I found it interesting that 66% of the people he sent to prison actually ended up going back to prison and 85% of those he sentenced to public shaming he never saw again because it was too embarrassing embarrassing for them for the first time. Um, And it was amazing to learn that some people, like Mike Huback, felt that public ridicule was the best thing that ever happened to them. And I love the quote that Poe uses, that it wasn't the theater of the absurd, it was a theater of effective. And it worked. Poe was eager to publicly shame people. Mike Huback thought the shaming was the best thing that happened to him, though. He believed that the kindness from strangers around him helped him. And the difference is, Nikki, Ted Poe wouldn't sentence someone for telling a joke that came out badly. We, on the other hand, destroy individuals who really hadn't done anything wrong. We are more frightening than Ted Poe. We are soldiers making war on other people's flaws. So now let's talk about the other reading we had this week from Chapter 1 of Boyd's It's Complicated, The Social Lives of Network Teens. I, uh, I think that in general, teens are strange, but even more so online. The worst part is that adults think they understand what teens post and do online, but they don't consider how the teen imagined the context when they posted it. It's a challenge to understand how context, audience, and identity intersect, especially when it comes to social media. People must balance what they say with how diverse audiences might interpret their actions, which is why I think people should be a little more careful about what they say and do online. Teens imagine their audience as friends or people that they follow, but that's not always the case. People fail to recognize when content isn't meant for them, even though it's publicly accessible. 
At least privacy settings allow teens to limit their expressions to the people they intend to reach by restricting who can see what. I am personally grateful for this setting because I like to keep my social media accounts and information private, so I like having the option to limit who sees my posts and who I share my information with. Uh, Ellen, I have heard uh, of something like this in my country that when you are on your Instagram and post your location on your story somewhere, thieves can see your story and realize you're not at home and can easily come and rob you. So it's really important to make your social media private to avoid unknown audience. These have actually happened to one of my friends. Oh, wow. I'm sorry that happened to your friend. And it's also hard to remember that viewers who are not commenting are also watching, which is creepy. The reading also mentions that posts online like tweets and status updates become archive traces that can be looked at at a later time. We can easily be traced, and I think this is why teachers, adults, and parents emphasize the importance of being careful about what we post online, because it's literally there forever. Lastly, this chapter points out the fact that the internet could free people from the burdens of their physical identities, enabling them to become better versions of themselves. This uh, reminds me of The Sims. I used to love that game, especially creating the character and putting them in clothes and then making them do things. You can basically create the life that you want. This also reminds me of the show Catfish. Have you guys ever watched that before? Uh, yeah, I have, and I'm embarrassed to admit that it's my guilty pleasure. Um, I do get a little sad watching it sometimes, though, because these people are deceiving others into believing there's something or someone that they actually aren't, and people fall in love and get hurt. Um, it's always interesting to see the outcomes. You always hope for the best, and most of the time, someone has been catfished. And I think the most interesting part of the show, in my opinion, is seeing the big reveal and hearing the catfishers explain their actions and decisions. Um, and there is always different reasons, but often people are afraid of their own reality, and they don't think that they are pretty enough, thin enough, but there are those times, very often there are those times when people are just downright mean and like playing games with other emotions. Actually, no, I haven't seen it, but it sounds interesting and uh, would like to check it out. I remember my first profile was not my real name. I created, I created it to make a fool of my sister. For a couple of days, I chatted with her, and finally she found out it was me. I guess I catfished her. Oh, oh no. I'm sure she wasn't too happy with you when she found out it was you. Um, but getting back to the reading, um, I really enjoyed this reading, Why Do Teens Seem Strange Online? I thought it was interesting, and it went really quickly. I kept thinking about myself as a teen, first being introduced to social media and how I thought it was so revolutionary. One of the things I enjoyed most about the reading was all the stories of the different teens and how they used and viewed uh, different social media platforms um, and how some used it as a way to connect with their friends, some used it as a way to connect with the people who have, have similar interests to them, um, like the teen girl who loved One Direction so much and she used Twitter as a way to connect with other fans and gush about the band. I mean, Harry is just so dreamy. Um, and when Hunter, who was often embarrassed by his sister or family responding to his posts on Facebook, um, I can definitely, definitely relate to being embarrassed by a family member or two or three on social media. Stop. I also thought about myself as a team when I first joined social media. I am so embarrassed looking back. 
The first thing that came to my mind was my MySpace account, where my profile picture was me with a backwards hat on and a peace sign up, and the song A Bay Bay was on my profile. And I'm pretty sure I put my age as 29 when I was actually 13. The first thing which was interesting to me about the wedding was the name of the book, which is It's Complicated. And that is a perfect description of the reading. I think Boyd did not directly mention anything about positive or negative aspects of teen, teens' engagement with social media and other network technologies. She just talked about its wide-ranging aspects and she wanted to explain the network lives of teens to the people who worry about them like teachers or parents. She focused more on ways to educate those who refuse to take into consideration the opinions and knowledge of things themselves and tell them you must recognize that you cannot assume you know how they are participating. So I'm really glad that we were all able to get a chance to watch the Black Mirror episode Nosedive from Season 3, Episode 1. Throughout the show, Lacey tries to impress the upscale folks. There's a lot of fake interactions, and which were very cringeworthy, in order to build their scores. It's all based around a ranking system and comparing yourself to others. One real-life example in the episode was when Lacey got a ride to the airport and the driver gave her one star because she was really loud and annoying in the car. And it reminded me so much of Uber drivers and how they can rate you. If you have a poor rating on Uber, then drivers can basically refuse to pick you up. Also, the brother says at one point, High fours, I bet they're suicidal. This is a more serious part of the episode, but also very realistic. The high fours are people who are highly ranked and given five stars, often because of their interactions with others and what they share online. And this reminded me of celebrities who seem to have it all on the outside, but really are depressed and lonely on the inside. And as a society, we know of some who couldn't handle the darkness and pressure, like Avicii, Robin Williams, Kate Spade, and many more. It's very sad, but it's a true part of the show. People only post what they want others to see and what they want others to think of them. No one's going to post the bad stuff or the very real things. They want the best impressions out there and for everyone to think that their life is amazing. Yeah, so I had actually seen this episode before. Black Mirror is one of my husband's favorite shows and he has forced me to watch it numerous times. Um, To be honest, I found it painful to watch. Just the idea of this dystopia where you can rate another human like you would a movie or a restaurant is so gross. Um, My husband actually says there's an app or something like that in China, which is crazy if it's actually true. Um, But anyway, in so much of this episode, Bryce Dallas Howard has this horrible fake laugh that is so cringeworthy. (laughs) cringeworthy. Um, I love the scene towards the beginning of the episode where she gets a cappuccino and a complimentary cookie from a barista. And it was very clear from the look on her face that neither tasted good, but they made for a really pretty social media picture. And it just shows that she was in control of what she wanted people to see versus the reality of the situation. And I am a little embarrassed to admit that I have done this myself before on Instagram. I mean, haven't we all? I actually felt the same way about the part where she ate half her cookie and then spit it out and then took a picture of her meal to post online. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of this saying before, but the phone eats first because everyone takes a picture of their food and posts it on social media before actually eating it. 
There are Instagram accounts just for food, and there are people who are called foodies. But I really can't judge because I'm also guilty of this. That is a really interesting expression, Ellen. The phone eats first. I have seen a lot of my friends do this when we are in the cafe. First, they ask me not to eat so they can take a picture of the food and post it on Instagram. Actually, today I took a picture of my sushi because it was colorful and beautiful. So, back to the episode nosedive. It was very similar to China's social credit system that producer of the episode mentioned, I promise you we didn't sell the idea to the Chinese government. You know, it was super great and I really want to watch it again. It was my first time to watch this episode. However, the film was very painful and sad and it really struck me. It was kind of referring to our society in an exaggerated scale, I think, and show us that maybe our mother machinery lives. I really don't like a life full of technology and full of fake faces. They are literally always on their phones and the part in the airport was so sad she was begging for the ticket to attend her best friend's wedding but she couldn't because she didn't have a high enough score so i'm just curious do you guys use social media and if so which platforms do you use and how has it had an impact on your life well personal speaking i love to be on social media like instagram facebook and sharing photos knowing about news and my friends despite in the past i did not like it at all now i think it's a must in order to exist also it's tempting to comment on a post and get the most likes of that post you know and I sometimes do it. But actually these days the most important impact it has on my life is because I'm far from my family. It helps me to connect to my friends and family. I share interesting pictures in New York with them. And uh, for me it gives me a chance to feel they are here as a part of my life. What about you, Nikki? Um, I use Pinterest, if that counts. And Instagram. Um, I'm not cool or witty enough for Twitter or Snapchat. Um, but I have used Facebook. Um, I used to have a Facebook account but deleted my account close to about a year ago and I'll never go back. It got to be too negative for me, especially in this political climate. I go on social media as an escape from reality, not to be bombarded by negative posts. Um, but I love Instagram. The reason I love it so much is because there isn't a lot of negativity and I think I've said it before, but the more pictures of babies and dogs, the better. Um, it also allows me to keep in touch with close friends and family. Um, I get little Snapchats of their lives, which is always nice. The one downside is that people can easily control how uh, you want people to view you. And not everyone shows reality on Instagram. And I'm guilty of this myself. It's easy to put a filter on something and make it pretty, even if that isn't reality. I agree. As the God That Was Awesome reading puts it, Facebook is where you lie to your friends. Twitter is where you tell the truth. I had Facebook for a while where I used a fake name in high school, L. Ender. So that way family and maybe colleges couldn't find my real name. I would only upload pictures of what made me and my friends look cool and fun. 
I would also stress over making my profile perfect. But I recently decided to deactivate Facebook because of recent scandals about how they collect personal data, and I was just not interested in it anymore. Like you, Nikki, politics was becoming very negative and overwhelming. I found that no one was really using it anymore, and it no longer served me. Twitter, on the other hand, I love it. I'm completely honest on there, retweeting other liberals and feminists, and also liking tweets that I find funny. I'm also able to share tweets with my friends. I have Instagram, and I do enjoy it because I get to share my pictures on there, and I get to stay up to date with friends, family, and celebrities. But I have to admit, it gets a little competitive and disheartening at times. I also have a second Instagram account, and its only purpose is when I studied abroad. Obviously, over time, starting out on a pink razor to now having the iPhone XR, I have spent more time on my phone over the last four years texting and using social media apps. I also used to share a desktop computer with my family, so I didn't have as much access as I do now with a laptop. And there are so many different types of social media platforms nowadays, I can't even keep track. I think we need to have the ability to switch social contacts and act accordingly. The sense of these contacts are based on the setting, time, and the audience. And on that note, that's all we have time for today. So we would like to thank our listeners for stopping by, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Also, feel free to follow us on Insta at Ellen Durr, at Nicole M. Weber, and at Elahe Solari. Thanks so much, Ellen and Elahe. It's always a pleasure speaking with you ladies, and thanks to those of you who listened. Thank you, guys. It was an interesting conversation. I hope the listeners enjoy it. Have a great weekend. Wait, pause. Jason just liked my selfie. What a creep. Is that guy sleeping over there? Yeah, the one next to the girl with no shoes on? That's so ratchet. That girl is such a fake model. She definitely bought all her Instagram followers. Who goes out on Mondays? Okay, let's go take some shots. Oh, no. I feel like I'm going to throw up.